0: is a BYU Sports Nation special. A great BYU Sports Moment play-by-replay. Presented by the BYU Store. Now, here are your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan.
1: BYU Sports Nation play-by-replay, open for business. Alongside Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton, the BYU Sports Nation team, teamed up with the head basketball coach, Of BYU, Mark Paul. Mark, welcome to the show, man. So
2: hype guys. Let's go. This is awesome.
1: This is a great way to fill some slow days look back at some of the greatest moments and games in BYU basketball history.
3: And this is one of the greatest. You called it the greatest senior night in the history of the world.
2: It's got to be. I mean, I'm glad we're doing this because then it can put it in the vault and we can see, like, someone write it and say that wasn't the greatest senior night in the history of college basketball. So we can start to have the debate because I don't know of any that have been more epic than what we experienced.
3: And emotionally it started before the game where you honored the seniors. And how was it for you emotionally to – Get ready to compete, yet honor these guys. And the crowd responded in in an amazing way.
2: Yeah, senior night is always, you just know, you just write it off. It's just feeling like everything's different about pregame. Everything's different about how you feel. And then your emotions are all over the place. And usually you have a speech with all your underclassmen. be like, guys. You got to carry the load tonight because um, because guys are all over the place, and this, of course, was incredibly special with this group of seniors.
1: February twenty second, twenty twenty, BYU and Gonzaga, first top twenty five matchup in the Marriott Center since two thousand eleven. You had won seven games in a row coming into this. Needless to say, there was a ton on the line.
2: Yeah, and, and the momentum had been building through the whole season, right? And it, it started with this group of seniors four and five years ago, and then, of course, it started w- when we took the job here, and then Yoli jumps back in, and then we immediately had this kind of ongoing saga of these guys finally arriving this night where, where momentum had just kind of solidly grown throughout the course of the season, and, and uh, this was spectacular.
3: What are you saying to each of these guys? We've seen Zach Salius, and now we're seeing Dalton Nixon. Just
2: talking to him about how much I love him. You know, I only got to coach him as a head coach here for a year, but most of these guys I actually would, you know, took part in recruiting when I was here as an assistant. So we've known each other for a long, long time and known each other in a, in a different way, too, because I got to recruit them, then I got to coach against them, and then I got to coach them and, and, and really watch their commitment level rise to this epic moment. And course so, Jake I got to be with the whole time. The
3: whole
1: time. An emotional exchange there, and he's got his son with him, families. So how do you go from an emotional moment like this to locking in on the game? When does that switch get
2: flipped? Well, you hope it it actually flips before the game starts. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) it doesn't. Uh, But the thing is... You know, this has been such an emotional ride for all these guys in a weird way as soon as this was was over it didn't feel that different right it, uh you know they've treated every single game like it was the most important game they've ever played in their life going through the course of the season and so it was really good preparation for this and uh, i think they were so excited and so grateful and and this is this is what they all imagine being at right here now let's talk about not just the welcome that's
1: happening during the senior moment with tj haas as he walks out and just a few weeks earlier, he had had an unforgettable night with the birth of his first son. But there were almost six thousand students in the stadium two hours before tip off.
2: Yeah, well, they were actually all in the stadium the night before. So I, I rolled in the night before. We were doing a little pep rally, and it was—I couldn't believe I walked in, and the student section was full all the way up to the top the night before. All these kids camping out and. Uh, it was it was the Marin Center's finest. You know, we'll talk about this, but Sean Farnham, who's doing the ACC and the SEC, has said a, a hundred times now because he so likes to say it. He's like, it's the best basketball environment he has ever been in. Wow. In all of college basketball, and I think same. They were
3: extremely calm and reverent right before the game, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they are hyped. We did the BYU Sports Nation for the first time ever uh, yeah. f- the Friday, you know, the day before in the morning. And all of a sudden— just the payoff is about to happen. Yeah. And was it easy for you guys to ride that energy, or did you feel like you needed to bring it for the crowd?
2: Um, I think I think our guys feel a responsibility to BYU fans. Certainly, uh, you know, secondary to their responsibility to each other. Um, but I, I feel like the the gym was so electric. There was no way you couldn't have energy from start to finish. It was am- it was amazing. It was as a, as a player, it was the environment you dream of playing in that very few people ever get to experience, and our guys did.
1: Now, we have the capability and the, the privilege of being able to sort through different moments that happen in this game. We don't have to necessarily go in chronological order. So we just saw Dalton Nixon get honored, and there was, so, there was some sadness because he wasn't going to be able to play in his senior night. Yeah. Or at least we thought, yeah. but then you have the opportunity to put him on the yes. floor with just under 21 seconds left to play.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, fortunately, these guys had, had, had put this game in a situation where we had the luxury of doing that, and uh, it was awesome for Dalton. As we checked him in, you know, this is uh, what a great staff is because my whole staff's like, "Hey, you got to put Dalton, you got to put Dalton." So we checked him in, and and um, and then I just was like, "Hey, you know, just just don't move." Just catch the ball, hold it, and live with it. And he was a little upset about having to take the turnover. He was
4: not <laughs> excited about that. But, I got uh,
3: in and I now, turned the ball over. Now, now watch it. It's not easy. He has to. He has yes. to fend off a guy
2: for a sec. Yes, right? I was nervous. So we didn't really report this, but you know he's got a broken leg. So his leg was broken and, and, leg? and yeah, his, his, fibula was, his, his fibula was broken and, and uh, so it was, it was really close to being healed. We were seeing some cloudiness and some fusion and, and so we were excited about kind of having a chance for him two weeks from then. So he's rolling out there with a pretty unstable leg so I'm like, please just don't move.
3: And, and this moment's so exciting. Right. The, you see Mark Durant's hands go, what a celebration as you let the seniors yeah. uh, off the court here.
2: So, so often you have this incredible, incredible buildup where there couldn't have been a better buildup to this game. I mean, through the course of the season and the 48 hours and the winning streak and the seniors and, and number two, you know, two ranked teams in the, in the Marriott Center. And then, and then so often in sports, because sports is merciless, you have a letdown. There was no letdown. It just from start of the game, the momentum continued. They've been going for a year all the way to the end of the game. And, and uh, what an unbelievable finish.
1: The buzz was palpable. Every little play, every loose ball knocked out of bounds, like the fans were living it with you. Um, just, it, and again, it, it's one of those things that you will never, ever yeah. forget. Jerem has joked a number of times that there were almost 20,000 people in there, but there are going to be like 40,000 people yeah. that say 100, they 100,000
3: people claimed they went to this game, yeah. and 100,000 people felt like went on the court. Let's talk yeah. about the court storm. You know it's coming if yeah. you win. You know because that's the payoff, and here they come. What's going through your mind, and where are you right now? I'm
2: like, hurry up, let's go, people. We got to celebrate. You know, <laughs> we, we, it's, it's really fun because I mean, it's just so many things w- were a part of this, and and we had practiced this with the student section at Midnight Madness, and and so for the, for their last game of the season to be able to feel this, and for the students to be able to celebrate this way and do this, uh, it, it was awesome. Now, clearly our ushers did an unbelievable job you know forming a wall wall protecting the players which was great and uh, just uh, just what an epic moment
1: what was your exchange with Mark Few like, given the unique circumstances of a court storm?
2: Did you get one? Yeah, it's just it's just brief. I mean, post game, listen, you're just going to go kind of express your thanks. Uh, you know, listen, Coach Few has been he, he's the he's the best coach in college basketball. There's I think it's hard to argue that, and he's been so gracious to everybody, including myself. And I love him and am grateful for him and. His friendship and kindness. Uh, but, the, you know, post game and emotional game like that, that's probably not the right time to express that, right? We get a chance to do that a couple hours after the game. We get to do it before the game. And so it was just kind of quick and making sure everybody's safe and get them out and, and then celebrate.
1: How many calories did you burn during this game? Because we're going to show you a segment here where I'm pretty sure you went through a workout just in like a a five to ten second span.
2: I didn't burn enough, man. I'm getting older. I'm starting to gain weight. It's just killing me. But uh, I I don't know how many calories I burned, but there's a lot of joy there's a lot of joy. Okay, let's go uh,
1: late in the first half. BYU with uh, a 6-point lead. TJ Haas has it and here is Mark Pope trying to decide what you want to do in the moment. Okay, was spot shot okay, okay. You want you tell him to hurry up, then you tell him to slow down, then you're trying to call a timeout and TJ can't hear anything. Nobody can hear anything and bang
2: knocks down that jumper. It's is the way it works in the best case scenario. So, you know, we're thinking man, we have a it's a it's a little bit of a short clock for a two for one we have 12 seconds right when we get the ball in. To really, and you want to get it with 36 or 37 seconds. So we're like, go, go, go. And when we see the guys don't hear the communication really quick, we're like, okay, fine. We'll just wait and we'll drop a play and, and they're gonna have the ball late. And then TJ, it didn't click in. And then it clicked in. And all of a it was late, coach is gonna actually make me take a quick shot. Let's go! <laughs> and he banged
3: it. You say we? It was you and only you. It felt like right. <laughs> and, and how much during this game was it so loud where you were? Because normally you can Balls, be heard. Yeah. But could the guys hear you normally? No.
2: Nah, you know, we couldn't even hear each other in the huddles. And that was the beautiful thing about it. Um, you know, even starting from as. Each guy was introduced in senior night. Like, you couldn't hear anything just as they're standing over there in the tunnel waiting to walk out and their name would be announced on the spotlight going on them. You could not hear a thing in the gym. It's, you know, the, the, it, always, it, it sounds like you're standing right next to a jet airplane by the jet engine, right? You just can't hear anything. And and certainly in a lot of moments of the game, there was no chance to hear anything. And, and uh, our guys like that a lot because they don't have to listen to me, right? It's the best
1: part. I'm sorry, Coach. I can't hear you. I'm just going to go do my Go, exactly I'll just shoot like it, yeah. It's, 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 it's when we function at our best. <laughs> and we had more than a few fans with Apple Watches on clock 116 or 118 oh, decibels. It's, yeah,
3: it's exactly like uh, yeah, an airline jet. That's crazy. All
1: yeah. right, Coach, don't go anywhere. We're going to bring you back in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, we want to bring in some of the guys yeah. that uh, live this game as well on the floor. Yoli Childs and Jake Tools are going to join us. This is the BYU Sports Nation play-by-replay, Gonzaga at BYU.
0: BYU Play-By-Replay is presented by Deseret First Credit Union. You know why, we show how. And Intermountain Healthcare, healing for life.
1: Welcome back to the BYU Sports Nation Play-By-Replay. Gonzaga at BYU, February twenty second, 2020. We brought in the A-team now. And a team, literally, in Yoli Childs and Jake Toulson are joining us to recap this game. Um, gloves are off. You you can have whatever say you want. The season's done. Your senior year's over. So feel free to uh, go places you may not have gone during the season. We got you good with
2: that? Yeah, we'll have some fun. Yeah, let's do it, man. Coach, are we, ready? are we
1: ready for this? I'm ready.
2: They, like, I have no power over these guys anymore, so I'm just
5: excited to hear what they're going to say. Jake must have something. He was very adamant about me sitting next to you. Is it there- true? <laughs> he so, wants some separation. He's about to
2: drop it on Coach right now.
5: He must have something good. I don't know.
1: Okay, let's get back to it. Uh, and we have divided these pieces into very specific segments based on the guys that are sitting here. Okay, early on, Jake, You get bumped early on, and it was a foul that wasn't called, and you have to leave the court because you're you're bleeding. What's going through your mind right here?
6: Well, what's going through my mind is I hope somebody has a camera and gets a picture of my face because I look really tough right now. I got this blood dripping down my face. (laughs) Luckily, nothing got on my... uniform or anything. So it
2: was he's just uh, he's, uh, the vet move, Jake pulling down his jersey so no blood gets on Like, cause he not missing any part of his game. Yep. No,
1: he wants Toolson to stay on the back. He's not wearing some other random yeah, jersey,
2: no, right? No, for sure.
6: So I had to go back into the training room and get uh, get the blood cleaned up uh no stitches or anything just a little like uh, nelly band-aid under my eye which was pretty cool i thought
1: tell me you gave connor harding a hard time about this because then he comes in he's in for like 0.2 seconds and he steps on the sideline and turns the ball over
6: well that's that's just because he's my guy and i told him listen i need to be back in the game so he <laughs> he he turned the ball over for me so i can get back into the game
1: just looking out for you yeah that's my guy i love that kid Solid. Yoli, you're having to deal with like a stoppage. I mean, you ramp it up, everything's ready to go, and then all of a sudden, stop. So how do you maintain composure and energy in that moment?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy in an environment like that. But that's where, you know, being a senior kind of comes in handy. You know, when you're younger, it's, it's definitely a lot harder to manage the emotions of it all. But um, being a senior and, and thinking about your brothers in a situation like this kind of kind of takes the edge off.
1: This might be one of the moments where they could actually hear you, coach, as you're shouting instructions. Yeah, it is disappointing to all of them. We're like, ah, guys get louder. So
2: Connor Harding in for Jake Toolson. And uh, again, you'll watch what happens. So, so Jake has told Connor he gotta get, you know, there's gotta be something to happen so he gets back in this game. So right now Connor is thinking, do I dare step out of bounds? Because he knows I'm gonna make him run all the way top of the bleachers if he does. And he did it. He did it. That's a great <laughs> teammate right And then there. Trevin Nell is on the sideline, so mad. Yep. He's like, Coach, never let me get away with this. That, that was, was it TJ's I fault?
6: I don't know. It could have been TJ who's was helping me out. Is he, he made him reach for the ball, so
5: you'll never know.
2: And you saw Connor run straight to the scorers table. He didn't even <laughs> oh, have to yeah. look over
5: there. He knew. Yeah. No question. That's Coach's, like, biggest pet peeve. He does not mess with it. No. That's the only time I've ever seen him make Jake run. Really? Only yeah. time ever. So yes,
6: that is You weren't with it. Because so I don't do anything wrong, bro. I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike you. Okay. No, that's true.
1: Speaking of not doing anything wrong, a veteran move by you later in the game when BYU was granted an opportunity to put a shooter at the free throw line. You're, you're nowhere near the play. It's Alex Barcelo, it's Zach Sellius, Philip Petrushev was complaining, and then voila, Jake, you're at the free throw line. What, what yeah, happened here?
6: That's crazy how that happened, right? Um, well, I knew Zach got fouled, but the refs were you know, talking to the Gonzaga bench and all, all confused, and so I looked at one of the refs who made the call, and I was like, I pointed at myself, and he's like, yeah, you're my shooter. So I made him say it. He told me I was the shooter. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was going up there to knock down the free throws. So whenever, I, I think, too, one of the refs told me that if I would have just gone there by myself and the ref wouldn't have told me that I was a shooter, I could get teed up for that. So I made sure that he told me I was a shooter, went to the free throw line, and shot it. And, um, yeah, it was, just, it was just a
5: great time. What a <laughs> yo,
6: veteran, yo you're, veteran. you're shaking
1: your head, yo, why? That's genius. He's a, <laughs> he's a
5: vet. He's a vet's vet, you know? Six years. He's got a kid. Yeah. Look,
0: look at me. He like, told
2: me. He told yes, me I was he did. supposed to shoot. I was like, yeah, yeah I made sure because I thought
6: they were looking, going back to see like if they could team me up. But, no, it was clearly Zach. I mean, look at that. And then I go over. Jake, not over. in the frame. Oh, there yeah, you are I in the bottom right corner. I go and form. say, let's go. I'm saying, And then I I'm think the I said, I got you. I got you. Like, I'll just go to the line. And then I was like, hey, just one more shot. I made the first. He's only shooting
2: <laughs> one. We made it.
6: And then the best part is Zach steps up and just makes both. And then, um, And then we move on. But, yeah, that was pretty funny
1: you got to love the confidence of, of a guy
2: like Jake to want to wanna take that shot. Be like, No, I'm, I'm shooting it. Well, I'm telling you, we made three free throws in a row for two points. That's big time. Like that's, that's seniors raising up. It was awesome. Jake, you had that
1: look in your eye. And when you get that look in your eye, the three-point line just kind of disappears. Okay, You're shooting these from uh, somewhere outside Utah County, but they're all, they're all going in. So walk us through the deep three-pointers. This is the first one. By the way, BYU <laughs> was 0 for 8. Up to that point, you make the first one. What changed yeah. in that moment?
5: Uh, well,
6: first of all, I'd just say Yoli gave me a great pass uh, and I was just knocked it down.
1: So it's, it's all Yoli. That one was a mere 25 feet. Now, this is 28.8. We were
2: talking before we came in here and Jake was trying to say Yoli had zero assists. And there we go, the very first possession. There it is. Okay. Moments later, uh, we're getting farther and farther away. Twenty-nine
1: point two feet. Jake, how big is the hoop at this moment?
6: It's just wide open, man. I was, Kispert had made three free throws in a row before that, yeah. and he's like, on the way back, he or I was guarding him. He was like, nothing. It didn't even hit the rim. And that's so i was the like, Marriott
2: okay. Center logo in front of your coach. I mean, that's the I O in Marriott. It's thirty-one feet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then this is an all-timer play right here, Zach Celius. Man move, muscles, rips that ball away, and then you decide you're going to pull up. Why Why in this moment?
6: I see Petrusive's guarding me, and I know he's not about to get a hand up. And so I just said, I'll take a step back and and shoot it right in your eyeball.
1: And that you did.
2: <laughs> yeah. That you did. Dear heavens. Uh,
1: our uh, research team is now compiling the average number. I believe it was 28.6 or something like that. The average distance of three-pointer you took in that game. Pretty wild. Yoli, when you're watching this happen... I know you've said this before. You're like, yeah, he does it all the time in practice. But it's different to do it against Gonzaga in this type of game.
5: That's, that's Jake, though. Legitimately, he's probably the second best shooter in the country. <laughs> the dude is unreal. I mean, like, it, it doesn't feel like it's far in the game at all when you're playing. You're like, oh, yeah, that's his shot. Because he does it every single day. And and we're on him as as teammates and coaches on him when he doesn't take shots because he's, he's just that good and – a uh, 30-footer for Jake, it doesn't feel like that when you're watching him because he's he's just that good. You can't, you can't overstate it.
1: Who's the top shooter in the country?
5: You're looking at him. Look at the numbers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so he takes the deep ones, but I'm a better shooter because I take the better ones, man. You know? I don't know about that. Just look at the watch numbers, Jake. That's all film. I'm saying. I'm seeing the film. Oh, wait. Six ten. Oh, the Hand the back, six ten. Yo, he's a back. back. I'm like It's easier. He's, he's slower
2: ten. and taller.
5: But there's also one second on the clock, so he knows he's going up. Drank. See, you could have you could have passed. Stop. He doesn't know. Stop. He doesn't know. Yeah, he does know. <laughs> Look, because right I've been here, doing this like, all night. He's like, oh, he's pulling up, and I can't do anything
2: about it. No. Wow.
6: Well, he knows. He should have known. He's he's not smart because there's two seconds on the shot clock.
2: <laughs> I am. The only thing you could have done. Saying Jake's post. Look at that. Step back three face
6: is way better than yo's. Yeah, because when he makes it, he's like, oh, wow, it went no, in. No, because it's I'm just so shocked. It's just so casual. I know what's going inside? So, so I know it's, exactly it's like, what's I, it's happening. It's like, boom, I do this.
2: You do it. That's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. You you, you got to get hyped because it's hate. a big deal. I
6: was you know? saying earlier, Kispert was telling me, oh, I made three free throws in a row. How do you when get you three free him, throws? No, listen, yeah, you, you fouled them. say that to you? No, no, no. He goes, didn't even hit the rim. And the next possession, I go down and I hit that three in his face, and I said, how about that one? He and so a, he, he, had, he just put his though. head down and shook. What? He hit a yeah. lot of yeah, rim that right. Yes, sir. He knows, for one, yes. one
1: for 10 yes. from the three point yes. line yes. in this game.
6: Yeah, it had nothing to do with the crowd, though, according yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah. No, hey, it's all good. his
1: words, it's just white noise, right? Yeah.
5: White okay. noise, man. <laughs> white noise
2: will do it to you.
1: Yeah. Again, the precursor of having the gloves off just makes this all that much better, does
2: it not? For I'm sure. over here sweating right now. <laughs> I'm just wondering about the, the brush pack we get from this, but I like it. It keeps the energy up.
1: Yo, we're going to come back and talk about your game specifically, 28 points and 10 rebounds for that matter, and get to some of the specifics of that. <laughs> a shrug from Jake no
6: less. I mean, that's a, that's pretty decent. When you shoot as much as he does, he's got to go in every
1: <laughs> once in a while. Play by replay <laughs> continues tris- next. That's the truest tris- <laughs> thing you ever saw, <laughs> The BYU Sports Nation play by replay continues from one of our fabulous production control rooms here at BYU Broadcasting. We have the top two shooters in the country. We'll let them debate on who's number one and who's number two as we continue on here. Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson. and a pretty good shooter in his own right, Mark Pope. Coach, uh, do we dare continue with this as yeah, we recap go,
2: Yoli's game? Let's go. This was, you know, one of the fun things is we, we had so many people that experienced this game. And then they went home. Got home at one o'clock in the morning and rewatched it. So let's do it again. And they're Here
1: rewatching it right now. This is, this is this is unforgettable stuff. Okay, Yoli Childs play by replay BYU and Gonzaga. All right, Yo, uh, took you a little bit to get going, but once you got going, man, again, like Jake, the hoop just becomes huge. So when did it all switch on for you?
5: Uh, I, th- I think TJ really carried us early. You know, he came out ready to go and. Made a ton of big plays defensively, and once the game settled in, everybody else kind of followed suit. So uh, TJ was a great leader for us all year. We just kind of followed his lead all night.
1: Okay, I love this play specifically, Connor Harding ad-libbing at the end of the game, and it's only fitting that your last two points in the Marriott Center are a yo hammer throw down.
5: Man, it's, it's surreal. Everything about that night is so surreal. It's, it's the kind of stuff that you can't make up, and just such a fun night to be a part of. We'll all remember it forever, and uh, it's so awesome that we'll get to watch this forever.
2: Okay, it's, it's amazing what Yoli did that night because not only is twenty eight 28-10, but the first possession, the very first, first possession of the post, they come big, big monster. And then like four possessions later, they come guard, big monster. You actually turned it over out of bounds. But like the, the things he had to read all night, right, uh, about the different defenses. Jake's first ball screen, he comes off, they blitz him all the way to half court, right? So these guys had to adjust to so much during the course of the game. Uh, and it's what you do as veteran guys, man. You just raise up and you, you see what the defense is doing and then you start to counter it. And so you saw this incredible display there of, of post catches on the right and left block and rolls and step-back threes and just the versatility that Yoli showed in this game is amazing.
1: Yeah. And your play calling was suited to going to your seniors, especially late in the second half when you just said,
2: get the ball to Yoli and let him do his thing. Yeah, we were stuck, and so we were just like, hey, we're, we're going to punch it, right? The, the game had got a little bit tight, and, and so we just... You know, we we, we you know I don't know three out of six possessions we really force fed Yo the ball in the post and he and he delivered on all the possessions. A Great pass by Kobe and a great catch by Yo. Uh, the first play we watched the turn uh, the turn to flex where Yoelie flex cut off and had that unbelievable catch. Him catching the ball all night was really spectacular.
1: Was that a foul on a Yai Yoli? Did he touch you there?
2: no no not at all (laughs) you know
5: that wasn't but we're gonna see something from tj later that was just egregious
1: you know big time plays. all right and and again this is when gonzaga is making their own they get to within two so tough to climb all the way back up the mountain why no panic in that situation from you guys
5: i think we just trust each other you know that was our thing all year was was trusting each other and trusting in our coach and Uh, just having that belief that the next guy would step up and and make the right play. It's really cool when you have a team that knows they don't have to do anything spectacular. You know, we didn't have to have the game of our lives, and uh, we felt like that every night. We knew that we could go out and and do what we did and that it would be good enough. So it's really fun to play that way, and you get a lot of confidence.
1: 28 points, 10 rebounds for Yoli, 17 for Jake. By the way, all of your field goals were from the three-point line. Do you like that? Uh, I mean, I don't care. I mean, they're worth more
6: points, for so sure. Yeah. <laughs> Give
1: me all the threes. Okay, let's talk about another one of your uh, – and I know you, he's a beloved teammate, Zach Selyus, not just for his mustache and his haircut, but just his overall swag, what he brings to the floor. If you were
2: trying to explain Zach Seis to somebody, Coach, somebody who'd never seen him play, what would you say? This play right here. So what you don't see is on the the offensive end right before this, he dives on the floor to save a 50-50 ball and ends up turnover. He sprints back. Yo gets a deflection. Zach does that uh, reverse pivot dribble and then bangs the three, and that's just – that's the intensity and energy it brings to the game. Ooh, so okay. special. The, mu- the mustache wipe.
6: So special. Look at his stance. Oh, we got to get some. this, this, this I cannot crazy. get
2: enough of this play. It's so awesome. That's how you win. I mean, that is how you win. And, and, and in that sense, Zach was the heart and soul. And then it doesn't hurt when, when you got guys doing that either. And yeah, <laughs> Jake, you, you said really the easy. awareness. Like, Patricia's on me. He's not ready for this.
6: No. I mean, I think we had numbers, and I had made a few in a row. So I was just, I'm going to put this one up. Um, that's insane. Look at it's that so I mean, That steals yeah. the
5: ball from him. That's on the ground. ground. More demoralizing than just getting yep. absolutely punched <laughs> on.
6: <laughs>
2: because that's yeah. like yeah. Good, man. a
5: dude sitting on his butt yeah. and he rips the ball from him. Yeah. And then they
6: that's had a. Did they call a timeout after yeah. that? I don't remember.
5: Yeah, yeah that's, that's the best. When you make them call that's timeout. Incredible.
1: And then Zach, he did this against Pepperdine too. Uh, a week later, where. He makes all these clutch shots late in the game. <laughs> Look that at for, so awesome, the free throw.
2: Oh, <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. That's amazing. So he actually uh, injected slips- into my law, my lines of love, of life. Yes, my bloodlines. He actually slips that ball screen and gets a really hard catch and catches it right which we talk about all the time, no. and then just takes his time and debos uh, number one from Gonzaga a little bit in the post and shows it all the way down, and then he jumps into this defensive stance that communicates to our entire team, and he communicates the entire arena, right? It just is, uh, man, what a what a star he was for us this year. He was just special.
1: Well, and Coach, you watched his game evolve a lot because you were here when he was knocking down a bunch of three-pointers and was recruited, and now... He's asked to do something totally different this year
2: yeah he just he just was willing to do whatever it took and um, uh, you know he just he just you know put the finishing touches on a really extraordinary career in this building here you know in this game
6: he had he had an alter ego I believe like off the yeah. court he's really quiet and shy, funny, hilarious, but when he got on the court, he turned into a savage. Like, his mohawk and his mustache.
5: He scared me sometimes. His face was all red. I'm like, he's gonna pass out. Yes, (laughs) like,
6: even before the game was in there drinking his whatever, and I'm just like, bro, you need to chill out. But he, that's just who he was. He's just a crazy person.
5: Yeah, It was amazing. Him and Dalton, they made us go, man. Yeah. Those two are, it's the epitome of sacrificing everything for a team. Like, this dude had never played like this before in his career. Goes and breaks his foot, sees that we don't have enough bigs. And he's like, all right, let me go throw 20 pounds on him and be the yeah, big wow, physical yeah. dude that we need. And it's, it's unbelievable to see a guy sacrifice
1: like that. I love seeing him get more national notoriety because of this game. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. so many people are like, who is this mustache mystery man yeah. from BYU? I love him. I need yes. more of him in my life.
2: Yes. He's, he's, he became a little bit iconic for this yes. team. Like all the national people, you know, really took to him and, and loved it. Uh, you know, and, and speaking of, of Dalton Nixon, he didn't get a play in this game really till the end. But, but, you know, I can't tell you how many times I heard Yoli say this Dalton Nixon is my hero, man. That's the guy I want to play like all, all season long. And what those two guys brought to this team was, you can't overstate it. It's awesome.
1: You guys have talked about T.J. Haas and what he meant to this team, not just throughout the season, but Yoli specifically early in this game when buckets were tough to come by. He, he made so many defensive plays to keep the emotions high for BYU.
5: Unbelievable! That, he he flipped a switch in the season where he just kind of turned into our rock on the defensive end of the floor of, you know, I'm going to come up with plays. Coach talks about making plays all the time. You know, you can be in the right spots, doing the right things, talking, and that's all great, but Coach loves dudes that make plays. And TJ decided I'm going to be a dude that makes plays, and uh, he really picked up where, where Dalton left off leaving us, and it's huge.
1: Back-to-back drawn charges right there. BYU up 6-4 to four at that point. And that's, I mean, that's against one of the faster guards in all of college basketball and Joel Ayayi. but yeah. look at the positioning of Haas here. Yeah.
2: He, um, you know, so you always talked about him flipping a switch. So we lost a game at San Francisco. It was the last game we lost during the regular season. And, um, and then I think we ran off nine straight after that. And, and uh, TJ was a big key to that. I'll never forget, you know, we were all so devastated after that game and we're, we're flying home and I walked back in the plane and uh, kind of called TJ out. Like right there, some guys were sleeping. They just talked to him, and then he came in the next day, and we watched uh, basically all of his defensive possessions where he was away from the ball and not making plays. Here's a guy that's an all-conference player for three straight years. He's one of the best point guards in America, right? And he does so many extraordinary things, and, and, and we just asked him to step up to another level with that part of his game. And and he didn't get offended. He didn't uh, poo-poo it. He just was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out how to do it. And then, and then he was so huge in, in the epic run that these guys made on the defensive end. And certainly in the first half of this game, this game could have got away from us because we were a little scattered on the offensive end and, and, until Jake got us right from the three-point line. But in the meantime, TJ made all these plays defensively that kept us alive. It was, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, really that composure that came with uh, the defense. Now, TJ was given a little bit of a hard time for a play that he made against Philip Petrushov of Gonzaga. And I know you guys have uh, some things you'd like to address here. He's just doing what he's supposed oh, to do. gosh. This is what he's coached to do. Okay, so what, what happened here, and uh, is, is this a dirty play?
6: Uh, if you ask me, no. We, I mean, we knew that they have bigs that are going to roll um, in the pick and roll, and so our job is to tag them. And I know TJ is such a presence physically, <laughs> his, his stature. I mean, so it doesn't surprise me that he f- buckled like that, but um, – <laughs> You know, some people had had some things to say about that, and I, I think those people are soft. Like that, that's a that's a good basketball play. Um, we'll take the foul. I mean, to set to send a message the way he did, because um, I know Protrusive was looking every time he was rolling for sure. I mean, look at him on the ground. Wow. So yeah, he he just he he's doing his job. Uh, take the foul. They made the three, so I guess um, he didn't do good enough. But I think that. Uh, the message was clear that we're here to be more physical than you guys cuz we feel like they did that to us when we played up in Spokane so we really wanted to to send a message and say we're not we're not playing around today like You guys are here and you're going to fill us.
1: Well, they didn't call a common foul there. They went back and reviewed it, and then because no common foul was called, they can't just assess a foul to TJ.
2: Right, and that's what they said to us afterwards. They're like, we're not allowed by the rules to assess a common foul, but it is a foul. We just missed it, which happens all throughout the course of the game. Guys miss fouls. Um, And so, uh, you know, it, it, it was managed the right way, and it's, you know, it's hard for the Zags to be too upset about it. They got a three out of it. When they get the foul, they get a, you know, they get a best of two. So, um, but it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a... It's it's a tag play. It's really important. It's how you guard a pick and roll. You know, forearm placement may maybe uh, questionable, but um, the physicality that T.J. Haas tried to bring in this game. I mean, he weighs 110 pounds. 115
5: pounds. Come yeah, on. You gotta think. T.J. has got to be more careful than us because he's built different. True. He's yeah. he's a tank out there yeah. at 120. Yes. So <laughs> he can't just he can't just be throwing people around like that. I do yeah. know that Coach Shark was so hyped. Oh yes. yeah. Coach Shark
2: was like, look what I created. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coach Shark is our way coach. He's a great guy. Look how. T-
1: Tough this guy is yes. oh, yeah. Yoli. You never take shots like that in the back, right? Never. Ever from anybody never.
5: else. So here's the thing: was it a foul? Probably. He extended a little bit, but watch it—the the double hitch. He said, "I get, I got hit." He does a split second. It's smart, good play. It's like I got hit. Oh, I should probably fall. Second one yep. goes down. Great flop but move on. It's actually you know? a
2: real, it's a real part of the game. I mean, yeah. you're trying to show the refs that something illegal took place, so you're going to... A smart now, player. Jake and Yoli would never overemphasize. <laughs> I would never
6: sell like that. No, I But it, that. it's
2: actually a really important part of the game, and it's a savvy, it's a savvy play on Patrucha's part, and, and uh, it's it's you know it's 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 what you're supposed to do.
1: Not a flagrant foul. Mm. As much as we love Sean Farnham, hard disagree right there.
2: Hey, We love Sean. Let me tell you this, Sean Farnham. We love this cat Sean Farnham. Like he's been a dear friend. But I don't know how they played this game in Westwood. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it just makes me. It gives me pause just to wonder. <laughs> We need to get in with Coach Shork, right?
1: <laughs> Make him tough, all right, guys, great stuff. Uh, coming up, you're going to witness one of the things that happened during a timeout to the tune of $8,000. It was just a special type of night all around. Stay with us on this BYU Sports Nation play by replay.
0: BYU play by replay is presented by Brady Industries. Honestly, better. And Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward.
3: Welcome back. Even great players need a sub. I'm subbing in for Spencer Linton here on this BYUSN play-by-replay, joined by Jake Doolson, Yoli Childs, Mark Pope. And let's talk about a moment that didn't happen during the game, and you and I have talked about this, Yoli. After the dunk, a, a fan, a supporter of the program, comes over and high-fives you during. And instead of saying, no, 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 get off the go, you take the time to give him a five. I thought that was a great moment.
5: Uh, I think uh, it's always important to just treat people the right way, you know, regardless of of who somebody is, whether you know them or not. You know, uh, we're all important and it's important for people to be validated and uh, for someone to support us enough and for them to be so excited to run onto the court. I mean, you got to think about that aspect of this dude really just loves our team and loves BYU so much. The the only right thing to do is show him some love. You
2: saw Rob. Rob was like, I don't think you're supposed to be. <laughs>
3: he
5: had
2: a jersey he on. The so he did have he, a jersey on. Yeah, he he, he was standing was behind bright.
3: the stanchion uh, during the court. I I don't know what he was doing during the game, but Mark, you, you're trying to get the huddle going. Yeah. The game's over, but you got to finish this thing, right? So look at you, Mark. You're yo, like, whoa, come whoa, here. come here. Get like, him over here. Yo, we we actually got work to do. bro. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I thought it was cool that you took a moment. So. Well, well done Okay, let's talk about another play that didn't happen in the game But affected the game So the crowd is uh, th- This was such a great game in terms of what happened on the court And then the spectacle around it was great too So there's a half court shot This happens every game, but guess what I knew it was BYU's night when this shot went in 8000 bucks for that student You guys are in the middle of the huddle Did you, did you hear the roar? Were you like, what's going on?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, I heard it all, and I knew they were doing the half-court shot, but we were meeting as a team, and then once the crowd went crazy, I knew that he hit the shot, and then yeah, I was just like, wow, this, this environment is
2: crazy. Do we, do we know this young man's name? I don't know his name. This it's dude mis- Mr. 8000. He right. goes straight yeah. Larry Bird. Like, he throws his, his hand up as a three before it goes in. Yeah. Who's
3: taking second, I think he was heard to say, right? And then the, uh, the merit Center leap. That's a oh, new thing we may have awesome. to uh, include in the future. We could try to track <laughs> him
6: down, but he probably took that 8,000 and went somewhere
3: warm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I don't man. know you yeah. guys anymore. <laughs> He's out of here. What a, what a shot. One of many shots that went through. So, who, who is the guy that is taking the half court shot in that situation on this team? Who's, who's the best half court shooter on the squad?
6: Uh, K, I or? think there's two. You, you just asked two different questions. So, who's taking the shot, and yes. who's the best? Three or half-court shooter because you got to consider in a game there's so many different variables. Somebody has to pass the ball in. Somebody has to be a distraction. Somebody has to set screens. Somebody has to catch it. Like You've so you got, you got to think of everything. So um, that's why you would put certain people in certain situations. The best half-court shooter is clearly me. And the numbers prove that. Joe, can,
3: Joe Lenardi felt the same way. Really, in a, in a simulation,
6: you made a forty footer in the yes. second round. Yes, above it, and it was a jump shot. I didn't push it. I didn't <laughs> float it. It was, a jump shot. It, I, it was a jump shot. All right, but yes, my point is that we kept track this year after practice and on game days we would shoot half court shots, and everyone wasn't involved. But you can ask TJ and Evan to clarify. But What, them. Yo, what
2: are the what, they, they, they were, they, 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 even, what are numbers? They're not even. They're not even part. What are the numbers? I, tell the numbers. Okay, so numbers and you'll know I made. We, I actually numbers is insane, but I love
6: it. I actually joined late because I'm new to the team and I had no idea what they're doing. But I saw them shooting half court shots after practices, and I'm like, "Hey, I want to join." So they let me join. I took. Uh, I replaced McKay Cannon from last year, and we just count. Um, we shoot a shot. I'm who we is? Uh, me, TJ, and Evan. Good. So we, we shoot a shot after practice, practice at shoot-arounds um, on game days. And after Vegas, I won 43, TJ in second, 36, Evan in third, 30.
3: What do these numbers mean? You mean I, made four,
6: I made 43 half-court shots this They're year. So we, we, oh, just, we just after practice, we just uh, shoot one most. shot, and gotcha. the first person to make it wins.
3: What percentage-ish are we talking about here from half-court?
6: hundred because I made forty three of them. I won like I made
3: forty three percent? Is that what you're
6: saying? No, 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 no. So we didn't shoot a hundred. This
3: man is in grad school. The, <laughs>
5: <laughs> what do you mean, bro? Uh, so what
6: so what do you think? I, I won.
5: I, I yeah. every the day there's a winner. Matters. Every
6: day is there's a winner. Let I won forty three days. Here.
5: I got you. Bro. They won thirty So him. TJ oh, and Evan have a little call. Bro, we just went over this. I just one more than out of they 100. Did. He's, probably no. shooting, he's probably shooting 10%. Totally. total.
6: You okay. made 43, that was the most. Well, okay, you add 43 to 36 to 30. I don't know what that is off the top of my head, all right? <laughs> it's got way more analytical. That's energy. how many Gosh. days, that's how many times Gosh. we shot. Okay, I get okay, it. Okay, but here's
2: you, the thing. You won, I get let me, let me add some of this, too. So here's the thing. Like, these guys would finish practice, and the two guys that lost the half-court shot would be deflated. I mean, they took TJ this and seriously. Yes, and it was them
6: most days because took I was seriously. winning.
2: And, and the thing is, is you know what? Evan and TJ, believe it or not, they come in here and tell the same story. I was there for the last shot as they came over to the bench, and both those guys just distraught. Right? TJ's like, "Well, we got the inside of a turn to make it up. He didn't, and so he got to live the rest of his life knowing that he. got They wanted at the end. They said we were going to do one and. It was worth
6: 14 points, so that Evan in last place could potentially win. But I said no, yeah. and I actually won the last one. So, um,
3: so self-proclaimed half-court champ. No, no,
5: not self-proclaimed. Like the numbers okay. bear it out. Okay. Okay. Yoli yes. wasn't involved. So, Yoli reason. wants to talk now, and yeah. I haven't seen him make a half-court shot. Am I the best half-court ever. shooter? No, I might be the worst on the team. Oh, yes, thank Colby's you. worse thank than you. me. Colby is Colby's <laughs> bad. Colby's not
6: bad. No, are you serious? <laughs> I'm
3: kidding. I spell <laughs> a future video okay. of this. Colby's trash. This out. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty trash changed, too.
2: Quick from the half court is not can I, pretty. Can so I'm, I not, submit I'm a name? not biased here.
3: Can I submit a name? Mm-hmm. And, and video proof? Dalton Nixon. He's pretty good. He's so, been yeah, practicing that's, his dad's shot for years. We did an inside BYU hoops. This is the first try, guys. He's on half court. That's the first try. He's good.
5: But here's the thing. Jake is the best half-court shooter out of three guys. Out of those three. But if we're talking the whole team, so after shoot-arounds on the road, we shoot as a team. And Connor Harding was working us. Connor Harding.
3: Ooh, Very true. Loud. Connor was working us. He's taking over.
6: No, so no, 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 he made two guy. shots all year. I made 43. So what we're saying is when the whole team shot, Connor won the most of those. Mm. But when it was just... Us three who cared about shooting half-court shots, everyone else would go eat and, you know, go home and whatever. But we stayed after because we know, we know it's important. Because you never
5: beat him. Who? You never beat Connor. What do you mean I never beat him? You never won the, the one of the whole team, and he Yeah, did. but I, I never so wanted to Connor. because I was winning in our individual team. We challenges. might have to get to... a whole other segment. we will figure this uh, out.
2: Uh, Jay versus Connor. Let's see hey, what happens. If, if the NCAA comes through in five days, we'll run it back then. Okay,
3: <laughs> 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 let's talk about another play that happened uh, during a timeout. So, Cosmo, he had already dunked from the three-point line and gone vir- viral. This is another crazy one, guys. I know you guys are in a timeout right now, but, but this is unbelievable.
5: Oh, I've never seen this. Wow.
3: Through the dude's legs? I don't like,
5: know handle. if
2: I'm more impressed by Cosmo yes. or the dude that yeah. was like doing a handstand. Upside yeah. down, holding it she still. Wearing,
5: she wearing jeans, too. That's impressive. That is,
6: they must be the stretchy jeans. Yeah, that's something. That's some that's some core strength right there.
3: <laughs> I mean, the plays that were happening in the game were impressive. They were also impressive during the dead. period. L- look at the balance here. Look at this.
5: Yeah, that's more it's that bad. guy. I mean, and
3: he's exposed. Sick, let's but... not
5: let's not forget
6: about how exposed he is. I mean, that's it, dangerous. Is. That, is a, is that is dangerous. dangerous. That is dangerous. Yeah, so great, bold.
3: That is very very bold. Bold.
2: terrifying. That's yeah. a close your eyes moment. Yes,
3: <laughs> yes, it is. And good thing you guys weren't
2: looking. Is Cosmo. The greatest, I mean, he's got to be the greatest mascot in America. Absolutely. There's, there's no close second. No. It's not, not even close. We right? were talking about it before. The guy done right. from the three-point line. Which had Mike happened, by the way, in the, the year that.
3: 2000 as well. Oh, this video evidence? High school
5: yes. three-point line, though. Yes. It True. Back. It had moved back. Wait, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 it 20 moved back twice. That's a great point. Point. Who,
2: Cosmo had done it or someone else? Cosmo. Had done it? Cosmo. Cosmo. Yeah. So this Cosmo is like the new improved version. It's the same Cosmo. We don't know. That's right. Because Cosmo is all the real kids real. Are watching. <laughs> yes,
7: it's the same. Cosmo, Cosmo, Cosmo. is
6: real. <laughs> yes, yes.
3: Okay, yes. let's compare dunks. So Yoli, this is your last basket um, in the Marriott Center, and this is an ad lib play from Connor Harding, and what a dish! What did this mean to you to have that be the finale and kind of the end of the game? This that was like the official moment where I knew the game was totally over.
5: No, it was it was surreal. I'm, I usually like since I started dunking. Uh, I never like show too much emotion or anything, cause I always have thought like I'm supposed to do that, you know. But that's one of the the, the only times I've ever just been so excited to, about a moment like that. Kind of knowing it was our last time on that court, uh, knowing how much BYU's meant to me over these four years. It was. It was a great feeling, and with this stupid finger, it was great to be able to dunk again. I wanted I fist pump, man. Yeah, I love, that
2: look—that's my favorite part. Of it. I
6: wanted you to pull yourself up onto the rim and get teed up.
2: Like <laughs> it was worth it, just go Jake crazy taking those free throws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. go crazy.
3: Get, you, get your numbers out. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a moment and what a finish. Um, that was awesome. That was awesome. Okay, Mark, we're going to get the real reaction from these guys. We're actually going to kick you off in this next segment Perfect. in the finale as we continue this SN play-by-replay as BYU takes guns down Gonzaga. We're not done yet. One more
1: segment coming up after the break. The BYU Sports Station play-by-replay about to wrap up, but not before... Two of the more remarkable seniors in BYU basketball history have their final say after one of the most memorable wins in Cougar Hoops history over Gonzaga. Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson still with us, uh, the BYU Sports Nation team, and uh, your coach has said it's the most epic senior night ever. We want to dive into your specific thoughts about that as the seconds are winding down, fans are storming the court. Jake, we'll start with you. And
3: coach is gone. You can say what you really
1: think. Yeah, now. you know what I'm saying? All right, good. Yeah, we, we booted him out so that you wouldn 't feel any pressure here uh, <laughs> but what 's going through your mind right now?
6: man, uh, first of all, just stay safe um, i was I was on the court, and everyone just kind of bum rushed me and i was I was just jumping around, celebrating you know people coming up and and then I got to the point where i couldn 't breathe anymore because I had just played you know forty minutes and now everyone 's Storming me, and I was like, oh, "I got, I got to get to the side." So I kind of like moved some people away. I was so, right by you. Yes, yeah, so I was kinda like, you. help, get help out. me, help yeah. me!" <laughs> but no, I got to the side. Eventually, caught my breath, and then kind of just stood up
3: on um, where the media sits and just kind of soaked it all in. You guys are right by, yeah, the bench right there. And Yoli, you were in a similar position as well. I. I looked at you during this, and I thought he's really enjoying this. This could be a moment of some panic, but this was
5: a celebration, of course. Oh, it was awesome. It was it was surreal. I remember talking to my wife the night before, and I was I told her I was like, I think they might storm the court if we win tomorrow. And I was just thinking about like So I had envisioned it, about like how legendary that would be, and just how incredible it would feel. And uh, it was a surreal moment, you know. Um, that entire night, I was really just trying to. Basket all in and and really appreciate uh, being in the Marriott Center and it was emotional knowing it was my last time in there Um, so I just tried to be in that moment and like Jake said after a little while I was like okay this is crazy I was was hot couldn't breathe (laughs) and the coolest thing though was I was in there for a while and then there were a bunch of kids around me and I was like I gotta get to the locker room and these two dudes little dudes, they were tiny and they were just like you got to get in there? We got you, bro. <laughs> and they just started moving people. I was like, this is assault. Yeah. But they were just, they were moving people. They cleared Lead away. Blockers. It was a nice stroll. To, they were doing their that awesome. Thing, we got you, bro. Yeah, we got you. Okay, you get awesome. into
1: the locker room. Let's talk about what's going on in there. And we've seen a little bit of uh, video come out from Coach Polk getting doused with water in his custom suit and whatnot. But what, what else is happening in those moments?
6: Well, we, we get in there, yeah, and we wait for for uh, coach and, and everyone else to get in. But we're, I mean, I think I just went and gave Yo a hug. Um, te- like all the guys just just walked around and embraced each other and really just soaked in the moment. Um, and it, it was super special, super cool. Coach comes in, we do the water, we you know we celebrate, and then. He, and then he takes us back out onto the court and, and we, you know, have the microphone and we say a few things. But the whole night, man, it was just a celebration of, of, of a season, of, of a team that, you know, we, we fought all season long. And, and for it to end that way, um, last game in the Marriott Center, it's, it's unforgettable. I think we're all going to look back and remember that night forever.
3: And a year ago, we didn't think either of you would be on this team. Uh, Mark Pope gets hired. Certainly that influenced your decision. Then, Yoli, you decided to come back. Certainly Mark Pope, a part of that. What did Mark Pope mean to both of you? Let's start with you, Yoli, uh, for this senior season.
5: Oh, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. You know, um, the way he was able to drive me and this team and, and get the best out of us every single day was incredible. I remember it was the beginning of summer, and he basically told us we're going hard every single day for the entire year. He was like, when we get to conference, he's like, we're still going hard. And in the back of our minds, they're like, oh, I don't know. Our our, our body's going to get worn out. And he was like, you'll get used to it, and your bodies will adapt. And and he was true to that. And we just worked every single day to get better. And uh, I think he really got the best out of us, and he got the best out of me. And uh, I'll always love him for that and appreciate him for that. He's your head coach the whole time, mm-hmm. like your whole career. What does yeah. he mean to you?
6: Man, it's, it's hard to, to put into words. He, he's so special to me. Um, he, he gave me a chance. He, he believed in me when not many other people did. Um, I'll always be thankful for that. And I think the thing that makes him special is that he cares. Um, he, there's like, there's so much trust and, um, he really puts forth an effort to get to know you and and the things that are important to you. Um, we've been through a lot together, uh, on the court, obviously, but just so many good memories of life. Like he, he flew down to Arizona for my wedding and we were there for, you know, when his kids graduated from high school and go on missions. And, and so like just the things that we've been through together have, have bonded us close. And he, he, he's taught me so much about the game and, um, and myself. And I'm so grateful for him. And, uh, I'm so glad that I was, had the opportunity to play for him.
1: I love that you said when you came back out and addressed the crowd, and I'm paraphrasing here, we're going to party in Provo tonight. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was uh, a good way to sum up everything that had happened against Gonzaga.
6: Yeah, I mean, we, we did. It was an epic night, and um, everyone came together. And And it's so cool to, to, to look at that game and see. Like, for us, it was a huge game because, you know, we're, we're a Sharpie in the NCAA tournament, and it's huge for our team, two ranked teams, whatever, but, like, that game meant so much to us and the coaches and the guys who are actually playing, but like BYU nation, like Cougar nation, like that, that's something they'll never forget. And everyone will remember that game and and it's so special to them. Like they can brag about it and and it makes them so happy, brings them so much joy for, so for us to have the opportunity to, to go out there and play, um, we, we, we know, like we have a responsibility to, to give it our all. And we did that every night because there's so many people that, um, That love us and support us. And it's just a blessing to go out there and do it. The
3: 2020 BYU men's volleyball team was 17 and 1 and the new number one team in the country before COVID 19 ended the season. This is the story of the highs. Will Stanley
8: in his homecoming match finishes the deal for
3: the Cougars. The lows and everything in between. This is Unfinished
0: Business. This is a BYU Sports Nation special. Unfinished Business, the story of the 2020 men's volleyball team. Presented by the BYU Store. Now from the Smithfield House in Provo, Utah, here's Jerem Jordan. Welcome to Unfinished
3: Business, the story of the 2020 BYU men's volleyball team. And what a season it was 17-1, 17-1, and one. we'll dive into all the details, we'll talk to the four All-Americans, we'll recap the season, including the epic matches at Hawaii, number two versus number one, how COVID-19 ended the season abruptly, and where this team fits in BYU history, and to help me do so, my longtime partner calling the matches on BYU TV, Steve Allen, and the head coach, Sean Olmstead. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, let's chat about this season. 17-1, and you're number one when the season ends. Uh, You have the National Player of the Year, I think off the block, uh, gave out seven awards. I think BYU won five of them. This was an amazing year, Steve, and one that we'll never forget.
4: Absolutely, and that's the thing. The weird part about it is coming into the season... It's like, what's going to happen? Are we going to? Everyone kept asking me, "Hey, how's BYU looks here?" I'm like, I don't know. They're returning all the same guys. So I guess we'll see. We didn't know how hard they worked in the off season. Maybe they knew how good they were, but we're kind of like, well, I don't know. We'll just cross our fingers and hope for the best. And wow, did we get the best or not? Jeez. 20, yeah. 2019,
3: you're 13 and 12. It, it was a different kind of season. And then, bang, with a very similar
7: roster, you turn this thing around, Sean. What changed? Uh, no, all credit to the guys. You know, at the end, it comes down to those guys, and uh, there was definitely some sort of uh, sour or leftover taste in their mouth from the previous season. Uh, I think they understood that, that there was more to be to be had, more they could have accomplished, and and certain things they wanted back. So it's a credit to the guys. They really put in the work in the off season. Uh, those that were here on campus, we saw that every day uh a handful of our guys had were able to go get international experience overseas that's a that's a real important uh kind of building block for those guys to be around surrounded by professionals big strong physical guys like themselves where they can they can learn by just being a part of practice watching you end up having according to off the block the best
3: server the best opposite same player a uh, uh, national player of the year in uh Gaby Garcia Fernandez you have the best outside hitter in Davide Gardini You have the best setter in Will Stanley. Zach Eschenberg ends up being an honorable mention All-American. At what point did you realize that this could be something very special with the same group as the year before?
7: You know, I, I started, I think the guys, they'll go to, you know, the first weekend on the road. But I believe we started to see these glimpses in practice. Because uh, you see that as coaches uh, at times you don 't know if you can gauge depending on practice, but there 's definitely times where you believe okay we can gauge that hey we 're becoming a pretty good team, but then we had a we had a fall tournament down to uh, Las Vegas where we ha- we had Pepperdine down there, and uh, I-, I believe the guys there started to see okay, you know. Uh, we, we've got something, something we can work with, you know, and, and, definitely we'll get to, I'm sure that, that first weekend on the road against the likes of Loyal and Lewis where the guys came away from that very confident. Um, but, but they felt that and they could feel in practice that energy and that vibe and that competition. And they could see that, Hey, uh, we've got a good group here to work with and, and, as you name off all those awards, that's why, you know, my answer is it's, it's the guys. They're the, they're, they're the magic, you know, and, and it's the guys. Steve, when did you feel like BYU was the best team in the country?
4: Um, you know, kind of like what Sean was saying, first part of the year, so okay, they, they beat number six, they beat number 11. Um, I think it was when Santa Barbara came into town and that was just a hard fought match. Uh, Especially the second night, right? You went five, barely one, I think, in five. But it was such a, a, a hard fought battle. There's a time in, the, in each set where it's kind of like gut check time, like towards the end of, the, of that set. And when things are tight, you really kind of get a sense for the character of the team, of the individual. And they just kept getting it done. And it was really, really cool. And so. That was a big one for me. Even the win against uh, Irvine was a big one. But, yeah, after that Santa Barbara one, I was like, man, I I haven't seen Hawaii, but these guys are amazing. So I don't know. That's kind of where I thought that.
3: There came a point a few weeks in where I started to vote BYU number one in the media poll, and I felt, well, I have a pretty biased opinion, right, working for BYU, but I felt like BYU was the best team. And I think that had to do with the schedule. Hawaii played a tremendous schedule as well, but it wasn't, close to what you put together, Sean. And this is something BYU has always done. And, and you guys go 13 and 1, I think, against final top 15 ranked teams. Um, this team was tested this season and you guys proved you were the best team.
7: Yeah. And they were tested, uh, on the road. You've got to go win on the road. And that was something that last year's team really struggled with, you know? And so I believe the guys, um, uh, I can't speak for them. And, and I believe that after that first weekend, again, you know, Lewis and Loyola, um, they, they came home and we had a good Penn State team here. And then going on the road against Irvine, who that's a strong program. It's always been a, ma- uh, a weekend that I think we kind of split there usually, you know, at Irvine. And uh, the guys just what we saw in their maturity and their cohesiveness as a group. We saw that just come together even more where every day in practice, they were focused together as a group. They were holding each other accountable. And, and you start to see that de- to develop on great, in, in great teams. And you saw it in the matches too, you know, getting in positions where maybe their back was against the wall a little, you know, instead of just going, going away and trying to hope that, hope a point comes here or there, you know, the guys really stayed together. They trusted each other and kind of built off those moments. The depth was
3: tremendous. Uh, the growth from a lot of guys was tremendous. And there were injuries to be had, and we'll break that down, uh, you know, before the season, during the season. But what was special, Steve, is we saw just for the third time in BYU history a national player of the year. And Gabby Garcia-Fernandez was unbelievable.
4: He really was. And, and that's the thing. Kind of BYU is known for having amazing opposites with Antonetti and, and Joe Hillman and Mike Wall. But, man, I don't. there's something about Gabby and his ability to just absolutely detonate when he swings and hits that ball. Whether he's back row, front row, or at the service line, it's an impressive thing. And it's watching those aces just get, that tally just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You don't really recognize it until you start looking on paper or when we're doing the broadcast and we're seeing the names of these just amazing players throughout the years and Gabby just keeps doing this and now he's right there underneath Taylor who's just, you know, Good heavens, that kid's amazing. So it's it's pretty cool. I, I, I watch Gabby, and it's just kind of one of those things where the guy just, it's like his middle name is the answer, you know? It's pretty cool.
3: It was the truth, the answer. Uh, right, right. Puerto Rican Automatic. bomber. Like, yeah, whatever you want <laughs> right, to <you> say. you want to say. And, Sean, for just the second time in BOA history, three first-team All-Americans, that was a big deal, with Davide Gardini, yeah. Will Stanley, and then Zach Eschenberg, is honorable mention.
7: Yeah, and... Uh, so deserving each one of those guys and we we talk all the time about these guys and their goals and we talk about it throughout the fall you know what do you want to do as a team and individually and and communicate with those guys what those things are and we talk about these awards that you know in the end uh, i go back to my experience I, i still remember it being on the floor at the pyramid when the all americans were announced we're at the final four and Carl came up to us as a group and said hey, you're an All-American, and you're, you know, he he kind of, back then, that's how they maybe announced to Carl that they're going to be getting that award tonight. I think it was before the banquet. And what stood out to me always, and I've always shared it with the guys, is Carl immediately turned to us guys that were kind of the second stringer, third stringer, and just said, if you guys weren't here every day, these guys wouldn't be able to be in this position, you know? And so we had that in our gym, that the depth you're referring to, and those guys were pushing each other every day. And, and we, we would separate our starting guys, have them go against each other more than bringing our starting group together. We would do that more so that Davide and Gabby were going against each other and, and Esh was on the other side. And, and so that really allowed our team and built our team uh, that competitiveness and, and that depth. It was an amazing season for sure. We'll continue to break it down coming up. The three All-American
3: pin hitters will join us as Unfinished Business rolls on.
0: Unfinished Business is presented by Deseret First Credit Union. You know why? We show how. And Intermountain Healthcare, healing for life.
3: Welcome back to Unfinished Business. It's my privilege now to chat with not one, not two, but three All American pin hitters. They are Gabby Garcia Fernandez, Davide Gardini, and Zach Eschenberg. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Okay, what an amazing season! Seventeen and one. You guys finishes the number one team in the country. How would you characterize Gabi, uh, how the season went for the 2020 team? It was a special season,
9: to be honest. It was a, it was a really special season from all the way from September to like when it ended with the virus. Um, it was a very special season to like grow as like players and like human beings, you know? We, we really got into knowing each other better as a, like, as a personal, like human, you know? Um, other than that, other than that, it was a, great performance by us and although I'm being realistic and uh, a lot of people worked extremely hard like in the weight room, in the classroom, in the court, you know, and everything just came together at the end and we were successful.
3: Davide, this was essentially the same team as last year, so what really changed for you guys this season?
8: I think it was mostly us understanding that things would have not come like just because we wanted to, but we had to work hard for it that last year we lacked a little bit so this year we came back and like from september we just were all into this thing and we wanted to win and we worked hard for that and you know when you do that you feel comfortable and when you start playing and the, the season starts you're like you're confident because you know you put that work in so you know it's gonna come at some point it's gonna show up and we did that and it worked pretty well for us so it was just a different vibe in the group and It's what brought us to where we were at the end of the season. And Zach, you at one point before the season weren't even expected to
3: play, or you're going to redshirt, and then you end up having your best season as a Cougar. You're an honorable mention All-American.
10: Yeah, I mean, that was really interesting because I was going through the whole fall and even winter break, like, still throwing it up in my mind. I didn't didn't know if I was going to play. I didn't know if I was going to redshirt. Obviously, the competitive nature of me is like, no, I want to play now. Like, like, I love these guys and I just want to go compete with them. But like, okay, maybe I, you know, just try and get better this season and come back next year. And now I, you know, have an opportunity to essentially have done both.
3: (laughs) I mean, oftentimes a team will have, say, maybe one All-American. The fact that you have three on the pins is pretty special. Gabby, what does that mean to you to have played with two other guys smashing the ball all year? I mean, it's great, to be honest, it's,
9: uh, it's really like, you feel like really like motivated too at the same time, because like, um, I'm an opposite hitter, I have to be facing this guy in practice, you know? And then like, I have to be facing that guy too, you know, like, because Sean will do that to us. Um, so like, we can play together and like, it's, like we're making each other better every day, and to be a, at the end, it's like, that guy deserves an All-American, you know? And like, he, that, this guy deserves an All-American because, It's like, it was really special all the time. It was like, okay, we're gonna get better and we're gonna like get after each other. It wasn't like, okay, get better on our own. Me and David had talked trash a lot. Like I talked trash with a sack and he did it back. So it was really special. So like, it's really, um, it's like, I'm really proud of those guys for being this team. I'm really like grateful that like they're my team, that too.
3: Okay, let's walk through the season. So you start off going to Loyola, Chicago. And Lewis, they're both ranked in the top uh, 11. What do you guys remember from that road trip to start the year?
8: For me, uh, yeah, going there after the game against Lewis was the first time that I actually realized how good this team was because, you know, you have a long preseason where you don't play against anyone. So once you start playing and you see how you how well you play against Loyola and then Lewis, it's just, wow, like, we are this good. We can do great things. So for me, it was like, the moment when I realized we were very good this year. Lewis
3: ends up top five, so that's a a great win, right? That's a good win. Gabi, there was a run where I think in the fourth set against, was it Lewis? uh, It's 21-21. You go four in a row? Yeah. To end that? What do you remember from that? I mean, I just remember
9: so me and my the assistant coach Mike and it, have this like connection like everything he sees me like I know what he wants me to do type of thing um, and I feel like everybody has that with the coaches so like I went like I took the ball and I looked towards like the coaches and he goes like like go for it and I just like pound you know like I just say like I'm just gonna throw this ball in the air and I'm gonna put it in somebody's face you know and if it didn't happen like that, but I did. Like sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, sorry guys, you know. But um, but it was uh, it was very special, you know. Like it was the mentality I I went back at the line was not like Gabby either. Like don't miss or like try to be the star right now. It was like Gabby like put really good pressure on these guys and trust the guys in front of the net to like do their job, you know. And that's what what happened all the time, you know. It was a uh, not trying to be a hero, just trying to be, like, the best
3: teammate you can be. Okay, later you play Mount Olive, a team that not a lot of people have heard of, not a city that a lot of people have heard of. It's in North Carolina. This ends up being a match, uh, two matches that you guys sweep, but it ended up being very meaningful to uh, the team. And hundreds of Cougar fans drove to this match and showed up for both uh, both games.
9: Yeah, um... To be honest, uh I saw the schedule like that Sean like gave us and we see Mount Olive and I don't know anything about it. It's like Mount Olive, where is it? He goes, North Carolina, you know. I'm gonna be like, Oh it's gonna be like, kinda cool, you know. But we get there and then we find ourselves in the middle of nowhere. You know, like this the is a school in the middle of nowhere and then we're like, Oh, okay, cool, you know, like We don't feel like there's going to be a lot of crowd and all that, so it's just going to be like a nice game against these guys, and they're going to get that experience of playing against us, and we're going to get that experience of playing against them. Um, All of a sudden, like, we go to the match, and we see people come in with blue shirts, and blue shirts and little kids and, like, grandparents and, and, like, everything. And, like, okay, it's a good crowd, like, Cougar fans. Like, Cougar Nation is very big around the world, and it's... There's gonna be like a couple of people. Now all of a sudden when we end the warm up and we're actually in the game and it's packed. Like this side, the left side of the, of our like bench is like packed with Cougar fans. Like screaming and everything and then we're like, wow. To be in the middle of nowhere, they drove like so far and then so like we wanna see the volleyball team so much that energy. Uh, they came and, like, packed them out all of games. And
3: that was very special for us. And you had eight aces in the first match, and apparently there's some funny stories of what people said. Uh, what, was, what was said by players and fans? I mean, this oh, guys can say more, I guess.
8: There was, yeah, there were a few fans that were, like, at the beginning when he went back to serve, and he started, like, getting, like, a few serves in there, you know, they tried to, like, mess with him and get him, like, to miss. But that didn't work, so they started, like, to Sean, to pull him off like the court because he was like too good at that point We're like, please just like get him off the court. Can you stop him off or something like that? That was actually fun. Like we were all laughing on the court, even if we were not supposed to but
10: <laughs> Yeah, one of the guys was actually a guy that I played against in high school is his younger brother was on the Mount Olive team and one of the things he was saying and shouting was he was just like It was almost like begging with Gabby Just to underhand the ball over to take something off of it I and he he was literally just like gabby please come on man just give us a chance <laughs> like it was it was awesome and was you know awesome. you're on the court trying to stay composed but you're hearing this and you're trying not to like crack a smile so it laugh worked a little bit. it got
3: you a little bit right?
10: yeah. yeah a little bit
9: yeah. it gets you no and it, and it gets me a little bit too because like as like athletes like all around we're used to like people like trash talking us that we can ignore them but once they like get really nice with us and they're like t- like cracking up jokes with you like it's really hard to like not laugh or like actually hear it
3: so, so like, you like, just gave all opposing fans the key to cracking you right <laughs> kind of yeah kind of <laughs> kind of yes and no you know say nice um, things um, yeah. but, like,
9: he was like Gabby I ask you please just underhand the ball and then, and, and I'm like This is very funny right now, but I cannot laugh because I'm about to (laughs) say it.
3: So, yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. And the pictures were really cool from that, and uh, what an experience for you guys. Then you go to UC Irvine, and it was a unique situation. On the weekend, you're out in North Carolina, and then you play a Wednesday-Friday. So I think you leave, what, Tuesday morning or something for Irvine, and you're there all week. Irvine's number six. You're still figuring out how good are we, how good are we. You guys go get two four-set wins that were really meaningful. Davide, what do you remember from beating the anteaters twice on the road.
8: I remember that that was a very long trip for us. We left on Tuesday, and we just came back from Mount Olive the week before. So we left on Tuesday, and we came back on Sunday morning. So it was a long trip, and we needed to stay focused. We we knew that the hotel there is super nice. There is a lot of, like, that like could be distractions but we did an amazing job i feel all around like all the guys even the guys that played a little less than others they were as focused as everyone else and that's like the good thing about us this year so when we when we started playing them we knew they were a good team they did some pretty good things against us blocking wise but we just started playing our game with a lot of fans too a lot of people showed up and we, we got it done two days in a row, and it was an amazing feeling. And after that, I remember Will talking to me, our setter, and he was like, dude, if we can play like this on the road and do it all over again, like do it every time, we are going to be a very good team this year, and we're going to do something special. And I'm like, I agree. <laughs>
3: okay, later on, you host some epic matches here at home uh, with UC Santa Barbara. You're two, they're three. This is a big matchup. Again, we continue to feel like, okay, how good is BYU? How good is BYU? First night, you went in four. The next night, you went in five. But uh, th- those were some validating wins as well. And then, Davide, that's kind of the hit of the year from you, right? Behind the <laughs> head. What do you remember from that?
8: Yeah, I remember we were not, I couldn't find my rhythm with Will that night. We are a little off. And then in that transition, he sent me very, like off the net. That is what we don't want to do. But he just missed that, and so I saw the ball behind me, and I'm like, hey, what can I do with this And I'll, I'll try something. I usually tip that from behind my back, but that one I'm like, hey, it's too far. If I tip it, it's going to go in the net, so let's just try something new. And it worked. That was like a little bit of luck. I tried it. It worked. So <laughs> nobody was happy at that point. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what happened
3: there? You guys didn't really celebrate it hard with him. Zach, what
10: happened? Uh, honestly, I think we were all just shocked. I mean, obviously, it was a really tight moment. And so to see something odd, crazy, and and we know Davide likes to mess around in practice and do that kind of stuff, but for him to pull it out in a game that was so close, we were all like, we didn't know if he was doing it on purpose or if it was like an accident or like what was going on, but we kind of just had to like to refocus and go to the next point. And then afterwards we talked to Ted about it and we were like, like, what what happened there? Like, what were you doing? <laughs> like, why did you do that? It went viral. It's still viral. I mean, yeah. people
3: shared it on the internet. It was yeah, pretty it special.
10: Was, it
9: was crazy, you know? Like, at the core, like, I, I went to, like, hit, do my approach and everything. I see David doing that. And I'm, like, walking towards the middle when we're going to meet. And I'm still, like, processing what was happening. You know, like, I was like, did this guy just, like, hit a ball, like, behind his head, lined perfectly? And then, like, it was like, at the same time, it was like, this is something Davide do, you know, like, like, if I try that, I'll probably break my shoulder or something like that. But this is something like Davide does. So like, that kept me like, in the, in the like, situation, you know, it's like, oh, Davide does this. Um, but everybody was confused. Like, like, our even our bench, like, it took them a while to celebrate too. It was like. Yeah. You
3: know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was I like, think I, I said, it, what in the world? Sort of, yeah, I didn't know, you know how to react in the either delayed, in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it
9: was, it's something you say, but, like, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty fun match.
3: Okay, let's move into Mountain Pacific Sports Federation play. You play at home, UCLA and Pepperdine, the big rivals. These are a couple of teams you did beat last year here, but these were big matches. Uh, Dane and Jima. Jima uh, comes back, and Pepperdine was tough. Uh, what do you guys remember from starting conference play on the right note? Uh, I mean, we were excited, you know, like, we played a lot of, like,
9: you know, matches to, like, get himself in rhythm and everything. But, like, um, one of the biggest, like, we had goals as a team, you know, like, we were, like, win the conference. And then after win the conference, national championship, we were, like, very, like, focused on, like, one task at a time. So when, like, like the conference started, it was, like, for us very exciting. And, um, <clears throat> like, all the years I've been here, we have a weekend that is, like, it's
3: UCLA and Purpodyne. And as always, like, a really fun weekend. You end up uh, running through the gamut of Concordia and Grand Canyon. And then Stanford ends up being one of the most attended matches in BYU history. I'm not exactly sure why, other than, oh, I don't know, you guys were amazing. But the the crowd showed up in that one. And, I mean, they're pulling back. Uh, the curtain and their people in the nether regions here what do you remember against stanford
8: I, I remember that on monday of that week i was talking to felipe and i'm like dude i have this feeling that this it's going to be packed i know gonzaga like the basketball team is going to play gonzaga so it's going to be you know fans are going to want to go there but it's still going to be packed but it was like oh, i don't know like trust me it's going to happen and then we came here and all those people showed up and it was just like You know, I feel like everyone, everybody understood that we were having such a great season, and we were not gonna be home for a while playing here. So they were like, "Okay, that's our last chance to come," and that was just like probably the best game, like the funnest game I played at home here, because such like that big crowd is something that you're not, you don't play in front of every day. So it was just a special day.
3: You win that, you're 16 and 0. And we've set it all up to talk about Hawaii. It deserves its own segment, so we're going to give it to you. Coming up next, BYU number two in the country, Hawaii number one. The Cougars head to Honolulu for an epic matchup and what ends up being one of the most epic set of games in BYU history. That's coming up after the break on Unfinished Business.
0: Unfinished Business is presented by Brady Industries. Honestly better. And Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Well, March 5th, the number one and number
3: two teams in men's volleyball matched up in an epic matchup in Hawaii. BYU number two, Hawaii number one. And let's chat about what happened because these were some of the greatest volleyball matches ever played at BYU. And to help us do so, Will Stanley from Hawaii joins us on the show. Uh, First Team All-American, did you guys text about... Hey, first-teamers wear white. Was that a thing?
11: I mean, we, we said jeans. I don't know why Zach decided he wanted to wear khakis, and, I mean, white's the way to go. So Zach just wanted to be the black sheep.
3: Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's talk about Hawaii. So you're from Hawaii. You go back. You haven't been back in a couple of years. But here you are in this epic matchup as the opposing setter against 10,000 uh, Hawaii fans there in the Stan Sheriff Center. What was that like?
11: Oh, no, it was, it was probably the, one of the best matches I've ever played in my entire life that like you said. I mean, it's... You get there and, and, you know, you have. I've seen people that I haven't seen since high school. And, you know, you have your my old club coaches who were some of the assistants on the University of Hawaii. And then I remember going up to our first coin toss and the top ref shook my hand and said, hey, Will. And, like, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him since the state championship game my high school year. And, I mean, he still knew who I was. He's been following me. So it was really cool to just go home and, and see just friends, family, everybody that, you know, grew up, you know, helping me play volleyball and, and teaching me you know, what it meant to be a volleyball player and and being able to go into the Stan Sheriff Center and and play the way we did as a team for, you know, two nights over, you know, three matches and then a 5 set match and just just kind of giving the people of Hawaii, you know, one of, you know, a great volleyball match. And I think that was all I could have ever asked for. And and it was definitely something that I always remember and, you know, hopefully tell my kids someday.
3: Sean, you've played in and coached in some big matches. This is 1v2. This is huge. But you guys hit 603 0 3 in that first one and have 10 aces, eight of which are from Gabi. And this is, I mean, maybe the greatest match ever played by a BYU team.
7: Yeah, uh, you know, that at that point in the season to be able to have that matchup for the volleyball fans, for, you know, the, the everybody that was a part of it um, is just, like you said, an epic matchup. And, and the fact that it was number one against number two, both teams were undefeated at that point in the season, you know, well into the season. Uh, It's got to be, like I've said before, at Stan Sheriff at Smith Fieldhouse. So we were excited to be there. And uh, credit to the guys. You mentioned their performance. They were locked in from the moment that we started that road trip. You know, you could see it, you could feel it. There was an excitement on the island from everyone, everyone, the community, an excitement with our guys but they were locked in and focused uh, from the moment we got off the plane at, at the task at hand, you know, and they they were feeling that confidence. They were very confident uh, in each other as a team going into that matchup, and uh, and it showed in their performance, and just a, a great performance right from the get-go, you know, from from the opening points of set one where it was 1-1, and then Gabby went back to the service line, and, and, and it went from there. Having
3: eight aces against Mount Olive and them asking you to serve underhand is one thing. Having eight at Hawaii is another. So, Gabby, describe what it felt like to have that performance on that stage. I mean, uh, I mean, I told everybody, like, they asked me that, that uh, question. It's like,
9: it's another day in the office, you know? Like, uh, is my job. No, and... it's
3: not. It was 10,000 people <laughs> in Hawaii, bro. This no, was but, huge. But,
9: yeah, it's the same thing. Like, to be honest, like, I perceive things as, like, Sean brought me here to do... Something and this is something. Like, this is what, like, the coaches brought me here for. So, um, and then that was a really, like, like, amazing experience, you know, as a playing at Hawaii and hearing all those fans, like, like screaming at you because they want you to miss so bad. It's like something, like I said earlier, it's like, like when they talk trash, it's easier for me to do stuff. So, like, it was a fun experience to be there and, you know, do the job.
3: Davide, all three pin hitters go 10 kills. Hit over 500. I mean, all three of you were clicking that night.
8: Yeah, that, I, I loved that night. I still remember, to, like, today. It's just everything kind of came together that during that game. I saw guys doing things that, like, I saw them do before, but it was, like, during practice they were doing that at, at a very high level. Zach played, like, phenomenally. Like, it was just... A very good all-around performance by everyone and i i was happy because i was playing well but mostly because i was seeing guys like zach ashenberg playing at that level it was just i know how hard he worked so seeing him in that situation i was just happy for him for will gabby everyone that played that night and even for all the guys that supported us so
3: and will you get the final point of the match what do you remember from that
11: um i just remember that was the point where I knew it was Colton was up with me and I, I played club with Colton my last year, his last year of high school. So we played the other whole year and I knew, you know, I'm going in and I wanted to, you know, it's me and Colton had a little. We also, our birthdays are both March 4th. So we have the same birthday and it was the day before that Thursday match. So we went into it like, you know, it's going to be fun. Like it's going to be, someone's going to win and have a good birthday. Someone's going to lose and have and a not so good birthday. <laughs> And, and I just remember on that last point going up and I was like, oh, we're, we're going to joust for this point. Like, this is, it was so surreal in my mind. And, you know, I went up and, and I just, you know, I went up late and I got to push it in the court and just tried to keep the ball in the court. And, it, you know, it just so happened that he didn't push in with me. So I just got to push it straight down. But I mean, that was, it was just, that's the way, you know, it ended. And I can't believe that I was, I remember watching the game back and, and hearing the play-by-play announcer Dan, you know, saying like, oh, the Punahouk kid. You know at the last point of the game and and that to me was just unbelievable you know just being able to do that at home and to finish that first game off you know it's great i was struck by
3: um the hawaii state song as well that you and your brother john were singing along with that and that that was a cool experience being on the other side of the net
11: yeah you know we're hawaii such a tight-knit community and that's not just with you know volleyball players just in general you know you you grow up with You know all your neighbors you know everybody you know you go to high school and all the people that were in your in your class you know and and we just have this pride of being from hawaii and and you know it's such a small island and and being able to go out into the united states and and represent the island itself and and kind of that you know pride it has it was it was it's something when you get to go home and and i remember my mom telling me calling me a few days before and she's like oh you better brush up on Hawaii because if you don't sing it you're going to look like an idiot out there so and she was like the cameras are going to be on you for sure like you better know the song and I was like I haven't forgotten it I mean I I still it's it's the state song of Hawaii so you know and we sing it in high school all the time so it it's funny watching the other guys because they sing the national anthem first and then everyone's like oh, let's go back and then they start singing another song and everyone lines back up but no, I mean it's just you know we all being from that island and such a small island to be able to you know make an impact somewhere else when you come home it's it's just it's the least you can do to just you know remember your roots and where you're from.
3: And there was some celebration in the locker room after this one, right?
8: Well, that's a little bit. can <laughs> okay, describe what happened. That was that was fun because we we talked about how we would have reacted at the end of the game if we would have won, and we're like, okay, it's like. If we win, it's just going to be another win for us. That's, like, a normal thing. So we are gonna... way too focused for it's, me. It's day, this is 1v2, yeah, this we, is 10,000 people. We thousand had to people. be focused, so yeah. we just wanted to have it, like, celebrate, but, like, stay focused on the next game for the, the day after. So we won, we celebrated on the court, and then we got into the locker room, and we were talking very happy. We were talking about the game, but it was still normal. And then Sean came in, and he had a bottle, and he started spray everyone in the locker room, and that is when we, like... We had all the adrenaline, and we just started celebrate because we were very happy. We just tried to stay focused, but we
7: knew how big that win was for us. So that was just very fun in that moment.
3: You gave them permission to let loose a little bit, yeah, essentially.
7: Yeah, they've got to. I, they play this. They've played this sport their whole life, and they do it because they love it, and they enjoy it, and they have fun. And I, I, I felt that that was appropriate. But uh, it, we all stayed after and cleaned it up. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> got the towels and and cleaned it up. But. I felt, you know, just all that work, all the season, these guys were focused. And that's a credit to the guys, what Davide is saying right there, because they were still focused. And I, I came in there and I said, yeah, forget this. You know, and I came in after the guys. They were all in there. I just had the water bottle and uh, just I was happy for them, You know, I was happy for these guys because they believed in each other. They had that confidence, and it was an opportunity for them to just, you know, let loose for a couple minutes and celebrate with each other, and it became a cool moment. What a great moment for these guys, for sure.
3: Yet you do have that match the next day, and uh, you fast-forward to the next night. Even more fans in the stands for this one. 1917, Hawaii ends up winning this one after you guys are up 2-0. In the fifth set, Gabby, you set the single-season record uh, to go up 13-11 on a serve 56 aces what do you guys recall from that night which ends up being the only loss of the season in the fifth in extras by two to the number one team on the road um
9: yeah like i i was talking to a reporter the other day and i told him like um first night first night against hawaii we like the statement you know like byu's here and byu's like like the best like in my opinion and the second night was like a this is what everybody needs right now. You know, like they need to see BYU and Hawaii go out at each other in five sets overtime. Um, but it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was uh, it a, uh, it's like uh, kind of like a blurry game because it's still like, it happened. It's like, it was so good that it, you cannot, you could barely um, think about it. But it was, it was insane. That, that was out of control. Like every seat was, was taken and everybody was screaming at the same time and it was actually hard to hear Sean sometimes in the auto because there were people behind us screaming and then it was a it was a really fun and like out of control match you know like and it was like by far the best match I've played in
3: my college career and I I think I expected that the first night right so for, for that to be the second I was like oh yeah okay they went back and forth but I felt like BYU won the weekend. I mean, the statement you made in the first match certainly was one thing, and, and Hawaii got the win. But h- how did you guys end up feeling about that match when all of a sudden...
11: Uh, I think the second match was we knew Hawaii was going to come out the second night and, and they were going to give us more. And I knew, knowing Hawaii fans and how, how much pride they have for their school, they were gonna, they're were they not going to let us come in the first night do that and then the second night just not show up. And I mean... Hawaii volleyball is so big, and, and people wanted to come and just watch a good match. And I think that's what happened. You know, we came in and and credit to Hawaii, they came out and made changes, and and you know they they executed well, and and we we played well too. I don't think we had a bad match. I just think, you know, to, we're the one and two teams in the country for a reason. And and Hawaii came out and and played like the number one team in the country.
3: Sean, how do you feel about the weekend as a whole?
7: Yeah, you know, you look at the weekend and. You know, proud of, uh, happy for these guys because again, kind of a culmination of their work. Proud and and it, as Will stated, it's what you would expect from the number one and two teams going going at each other. And so for our guys to be able to have that focus on the road in a tough environment, you know, uh, the guys the guys left that they did not leave that road trip thinking, "Oh man, we lost." that match there at the end. The guys were even, in reality, they were more confident when they, when they left that weekend. You know, their, their confidence was at an all time high, ready to go into that second segment of conference, because that's what it was. We did six, then we had that road trip, six, you know, our first half of conference, and we were just starting our second half of conference. And so the reality is those guys, left that weekend uh, even more confident and better as a team for that experience. BYU, three days later, goes
3: from number two to number one, overtaking Hawaii. And here we go until COVID-19 ends the season. How the Cougars found out and how they dealt with it as unfinished business continues. Thursday, March 12th, BYU men's volleyball expected to go to Stanford and play and be the number one team and continue an amazing season, but it all came crashing down quickly, as we all found out with COVID-19 and its pandemic effect on the entire world. So guys, let's walk through that day. Thursday, March 12th. You're expecting to go to Stanford and you go to the airport and you don't end up getting on that plane. Sean, what happened from there?
7: Yeah, I think, uh, as Will explained, it was, Will was looking through a Twitter feed, I think, and, and they canceled the, the Pac-12, uh, basketball tournament and, Stanford is a Pac 12 institution. And so they, I got, made a call to Costi, and said, Hey, this Stanford's is head coach. Stanford's head coach. This is coming down the wire. We're 10, 20 minutes from boarding, boarding. Our bags are on, you know. And, uh, hey, this is coming down the wire. Are we having a volleyball game tomorrow night? Which would have been Friday. And, uh, Costi was, I think, driving to work and said, Hold on, Sean. I didn't know. I haven't seen the news. Let me try to get a hold of my ID. I tried to get a hold of ours obviously they were all on calls you know kind of in closed closed door meetings and uh Kasi just called me back said Sean if that's the news th- don't get on that plane and so then we immediately go to Delta and go please please get these 30 bags off the plane uh cuz we're we're not getting on we're not traveling uh to Stanford and uh and then we went from there with kind of just that day and the uncertainty with all the news cuz there was so much from the NBA to the NCAA tournament and, and in all that though, there was still hope. I was still thinking, it's just getting delayed. We're, we're going to work through this because for us, nothing was in there that said men's volleyball. And, and, and no one, none of us could understand or comprehend what was going on entirely. So I was like, okay, maybe this will get delayed, but, uh, we just couldn't see the news. And then that evening after discussions with our administration, we had to unfortunately bring the guys into what for me as a as a coach, and any of my experience has been hands down the toughest meeting I've ever had to be a part of that night at about six thirty that evening Thursday. Gabby,
3: what do you remember from that meeting? Um, it
9: was a very tough uh, meeting to be into um, before after the whole airport situation happened. Um, some of the guys decided we decided to go play uh, beach volleyball with each other to like keep ourselves in shape uh, and then uh, Sean sends that message about like, hey guys uh we need to meet, you know, and in the when we were playing Beach we saw like the text about like basketball canceling, like all this like different uh situations. And we got into that meeting, everybody's just talking and you know, smiling and uh, like, okay, we're a team, we're having kinda of fun, we're here and then Chunk comes in the room and like and you know starts talking about the situation and uh what's gonna happen and then, you know, like the emotions were like all over the place and it was like a very like sad and like wow, like, our season ended, you know, after all we did. After, like, uh, I mean, after, like, waking up constantly at 5 in the morning and, like, running that hill, which was very tough sometimes. And, you know, like, the season ended. But I, after that, well, like, we, uh, I think the coaches did a really good job with us being, like, control what you can control, like, control the controllables. So at, the, at that moment, like, the things I could control is, like, how I'm gonna take care of myself you know like we have to be quarantined like stay in your house wash your hands like be really responsible with that and I feel like the that's another like thing why this team was so special because like we were very like okay like let's control what we can and let's you know move on from this bad ha- things happening
3: Davide how did you deal with that then and how are you dealing with it now
8: It was tough for me, you know. After everything we've been through, as Gabby said, it was just, like, sad. And we I'm sure everyone felt the same. So right after I took, like, a week off where I just thought about the whole season, the whole process, and one of the things that I thought about is, like, man... And I said that to Will, I think. I said, dude, I don't care what anyone says. It was, like, it's wasted. All the work we've done, it's wasted. And I regret saying that because now, like, you know, now I... Came back from that moment, and I'm like, it's not wasted. We worked hard. We got so much better, and we built. So we know next year we're going to have to do it all over again. Is it going to be hard? Yes, it's going to be tough. But I'm happy I'm going to do it again with these guys, and it's going to be just as good as it was this year. So uh, right now for me it's just what's next. What can I do now? Can I start working, working out now at home with my things just to prepare for that? Yeah, and I'm doing that. So that's how I'm dealing with that.
3: Well, at first we thought, hey, this is it, you're done. But we find out later that you can come back, which is great. So how have you kind of dealt with that, knowing, hey, you're going to get another shot at it?
11: Yeah, no, the, the, the first, that meeting f- that night was, I remember when we didn't know, you know, the uncertainty. Me, Zach, and Link, and Mickey, the, you know, the four of us that thought we were done, we just came out and we sit on this, like on this court. We just sat here and, and you know, talked about all the kind of memories we've had over the last four years and, and that, I mean, it helped. I mean, you know, there were tears flowing and, and you know, just embracing each other and, and trying to stay in that, you know, reflect moment. But as I remember the day the NCAA made the decision, like, hey, you know, spring sport athletes can come back. I think I called Zach like 10, 15 minutes after. I said, dude, like, are we doing it? Are we doing this? And, and you know, he said, yeah. And, and I just remember how excited we were. And Mickey was in the room with me. So, you know, and, and Link, we're all roommates. So we all were able to just talk about it and, and you know, just kind of say, hey, like we can do this again. We're gonna do this again, and and the only way we can do this is to you know move forward with what we can do. And and I, I mean, I like what Gabby and David have been saying, and and we've kind of preached it all year. is just what can we do to make ourselves better. And I think right now, that's you know getting in our workouts however we can. Going, I know like Gabby was talking about, he goes on runs now. And I mean, if you knew Gabby, you know running isn't his strong suit. <laughs> so the fact that he's going out and doing that and running all the time, I mean, it's, it shows the culture we built this year and just kind of what you know, BYU volleyball is now and, and we, we built something strong and, and you know, we're hoping that we can keep this foundation into next year and, and just kind of build on it, like David said, and, and get better and be that same team that we were this year again next year.
3: Well, hence the name of this show, Unfinished Business, because 2021 could be the finished business season. Perhaps there's a follow-up to this, but the three of you, congratulations on an amazing season. First-team All-Americans. Uh, it was very fun to watch. Trust me, Steve Vail and I are the uh, biggest fans of the program as we get to sit and just watch this. So congratulations and thanks for the time.
7: Thank, Thank, you. Thank you.
3: Okay, so Sean, much. stick around for the next segment. Okay? Coming up, Steve Vail will join us. We will discuss where this team fits in BYU history. Are they the best? Are they number two as Unfinished Business rolls on? Welcome back to Unfinished Business, the story of the 2020 BYU men's volleyball team. Rejoining us is Steve Vale, Sean Olmstead. Let's finish with this. Where does this team fit in BYU men's volleyball history? There have been some great teams. Sean, you played on uh, two national championship teams. I feel like the 99 team is the best team ever at BYU. How do you guys feel? Agree. Agree I, with I that statement. Right. Okay, so they're number one. Where, where does the conversation start? Is, is this 2020 team in the conversation for number two? You, you coached this team, Sean. What do you think?
7: Um, yeah, and I was fortunate to be a part of uh, some national championship teams. 2001. Uh, Hector Redshirted, uh, Hector LeBron redshirted the 2000 season to be able to come back with some guys, give some guys experience that shows the the uh, the smarts in Carl McGowan, you know, to convince Hector to do that. And I was Hector's roommate. And it wasn't just, uh, hey, you're going to redshirt. That was a tough decision for Hector to make. But Carl had a plan with that group. Hey, give these guys some experience. We're going to be really good. And so that team was really, really strong with Mike Wall. I think that year he was the final four player of the year um Hector LeBron I think was NCAA player of the year and that might have been back-to-back junior and senior years if I'm not mistaken Joaquina Costa on the outside Fernando Pessoa playing libero that was a really really strong team but uh it, it's one of those things in sports we how would we, we'd love an opportunity to put this group up against those teams because I think they would do a great job you know they have the pieces we've got guys that can bring it from the service line. Our ball control was uh, getting better and better and better, and we saw that, you know, and so being able to handle the, the serves and uh, our blocking was pretty disciplined, and our attacking, Will r- ran a really nice offense, you know, out of service, even in transition, front row, back row, and so it'd be fun, and I think that take that 99 team because I think that is the best team that BYU's ever had in, in men's volleyball. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that this team can go compete with any of the other teams, and that'd be a really fun matchup to see. And Listen, when we die, that's what I want to see. I want to <laughs> see stuff like
3: that. That'd be fun. Steve, what do you think? Where does 2020 fit?
4: <clears throat> well, the the current players, I think, are still in the building, so I'm going to say they're number two, easy. <laughs> maybe maybe number one. No, I think, uh, I, I love what Sean just said, and it's very true, and it's, and it's hard, because I've I've been in the area and been friends with most of the guys that have come through here. I used to play a ton of outdoor volleyball with a lot of them. I'm just saying these guys in in the to what happened this year. Man, they've got a strong argument to be to be, you know, one of the greatest volleyball teams ever for BYU. It's just a sad and unfortunate thing that we never got to see it come to fruition.
3: There are a few things in this team's favor. One is the schedule. Two is the record. Uh, three is going to Hawaii and doing what you did. There's one loss all season, Sean, and it's by the smallest of margin, in extras, in the fifth, by two. Like, that's the the best way you could lose, if you will, at number one. And then you have three first team All-Americans. You have the National Player of the Year. I mean, this was one of the greatest seasons in BYU history. I'm not sure how we can uh, you know quantify it in this way, and we're trying, but this is a team I think we'll remember forever. Not just because of COVID-19, but yeah. because of the way they played.
7: And, and and I keep going back to those guys are are kind of what what bring the special sauce and and they they were the ones that did it. You know, they you're talking about that record and that loss on the second night at Hawaii by by the smallest of margins, you know. And uh, so they they've got the resume to, you know, definitely considering the everything going on and 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 the finality of the season and how it how it came out to play uh, that we've gotten into and and sp- spoken of they they can be proud at what they did and and they're going to be I tell these guys all the time hey this your time here at BYU that's your story you know how are you going to write your story what are you going to do individually what are you going to do as a team and they've written a tell that's uh, one that you can read for years, you know, and, and it's exciting that they get to put it into this production. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for them. And, and they definitely can go into those banquets of, you know, maybe 20 years down the road. And we bring in all the volleyball alumni. They can walk in, you know, with their shoulders back and their heads held high. And, well, there's there's the this team, you know, from this year. And uh, that's who those guys are. The story was certainly special, and uh, we appreciate your
3: tremendous coaching. You should have won national of the year, oh, by the absolutely, way. Absolutely. If we yeah. could vote, we would have voted for you. Right. We're for
4: homers, me. but still, we totally you yeah, yeah, for yeah. the guy.
3: It was a great <laughs> season, Sean. We really appreciate the time. Thank you guys for everything, always. And Steve, of course, any chance to hang out with you is the best time for me. For me thanks. too, man. And for the rest of the men's volleyball team, thanks to those guys. What a season 2020 was. That'll do it for us. My name's Jerome Jordan. This has been Unfinished Business, the story of the 2020 BYU men's
1: volleyball team. So long.